Hello, I'm John Kelly and this is a podcast of Mystery Train. For rights reasons, the music is shorter than in the original programme. Mystery Train hits the rails Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on RTE Lyric FM. People often talk about the first time they heard the Beatles or the first time they heard Elvis Presley, but I'll tell you, I'll never forget the first time I heard that. Farewell to Aaron from the Buffy Band uh, from the album Old Hag, You Have Killed Me. This is Mystery Train Sunday Night Special where we get someone in to pick the tunes. And tonight, I'm delighted to say, from the Buffy Band and many other things besides which we'll discuss as the night goes on, Train in the Gonal. Train, it's great to have you here. Great to be here. Jill. I've always Thank wanted you. you, I've always wanted you on this programme now to pick the tunes because <laughs> I know they'll be good. I know they'll be good. So, um, First of all, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well, thanks. Keep, uh, keeping busy? Just had a hard time uh, kneeling down, you know, uh, 14 of my favourites. Probably be more like 40. Yeah, it can't have been easy. Because, no. I mean, apart from, see, apart from the thing is, apart from just what you're known for, I mean, the public side of your musical life, you've also had this, uh, you know, uh, another side of your musical life throughout many years now of running clubs and, you know, playing with different people. It's, it's not just the records, you know, there's a lot more besides. So music is totally your life, really, isn't it? Absolutely. And was yeah. it always like that? When did that begin? Um, I suppose it began, you know, after I'd finished in UCD, um, just did an arts degree and I knew I wasn't going to I, I, I wanted an escape hatch yeah. and uh, you know our father God love him used to uh, say to both Michal and I when we'd come down at weekends to, to Kells you know I could make a phone call and we could you know you could get a real job or go back and do a tea at the H-dip and yeah. you know um, but thankfully, he did get to hear us himself and Mammy um, with the body band in the stadium before he was gone from us all too young in 1977. Now, you're, you're, you're talking about <coughs> Kells there, but, but your dad was from Donegal and your mother was from Sligo, I think. Is that right? Well, she was born in Gortine, yeah, right. but uh, lived most of her uh, life in, in Dublin and uh, equally daddy... Uh, you know, his people moved from the Ranafast Gaetut down to um, Gibstown, Balayib in County Meath. And um, soon after they married, he got a job um, in the vocational school in the tech in Kells. Mm. And he taught there for 17 years. So Donegal was our summer home every every summer. Right. It was like going to the moon yeah. and, and going to paradise and... You know, we were very lucky. We, you know, that we had that. So, I suppose from from those days, from those summers in our teenage years, before before, you know, our career in music started. Like we were still at school, Myra than I, when we did uh, Scarab Ray, when we did what, that recording. What age were you when you moved to Kells? Yeah, we we were born in Dublin. Um, what age? About well, three or three or four. No, have I, I, yeah, because have, have I? Have I first got, day at school, I was yeah, three and a half, yeah. and I remember that, and I hadn't a word of English. Yeah, that's what I was going. To, have I got this wrong? In that, I think talking to Myra once, it wasn't just that your 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 parents 
had the language, but the, it was it was actually a kind of a Gaeltacht itself in Meath. Is that right? Oh yeah, there were uh, absolutely. Yeah, pe- people got these uh, land grants. It was an, a, an attempt to bring together people from the various Gaeltachts, like Connemara, Kerry, Donegal, mm. and they were given small plot of land. And uh, it was, you know, post the war years. And and, and you and you hadn't a word of English when you went to school then. Not the not the, not first, the first day I remember as well. You know, Daddy dropping me off and being surrounded by nuns and being carried from class to class to sing Shandunangal, <laughs> yeah. put up, put up, standing on. Wow! You know, you don't forget those things, do no, you? No. no. Listen, your first uh, choice uh, tonight, Trina, is uh, the McGarrigal Sisters. And I suspect over the years you would have run into the McGarrigals in various places, would you? Never did. No. No. No, but I can still see the first LPs and our brother Eamon was great at saving up for singles and LPs and, you know, sitting on the floor in the sitting room and um, playing them and, and we loved them instantly. But no, I never, never did get to meet them. And the one you've chosen uh, talked to me of Mendocino. Gorgeous spot. I remember driving up to there to see the Redwoods and, and thinking of this song. I just love the orchestration in it and the the song. Talk to me of Mendocino there, McGarrigals, the first choice tonight of uh, Trina Nigonal, who's with me in studio, I'm delighted to say. And uh, Trina, we're just talking there about, you know, the background, the Donegal background and so on, but then living in Meath and this this Gaeltacht area in Meath. The the sort of house you were living in, Trina, with so much... um, so much rooted in 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 Gaeltacht areas and in the language and in the music and so on, were other forms of music verboten? Obviously not if you're listening to the McGarrigals. Um, well, that was a good bit later. No, um, Daddy relented eventually, you know, <laughs> uh, but he didn't particularly. If he came in and saw Mick Jagger particularly on the telly, there'd be a bit of an uproar. Um, but Bit by bit, you know, our brother Eamon playing away and, and hearing from the sitting room yeah. um, all these different records. Uh, you know, he, he eventually acknowledged that, uh, you know, it was just, it was all music. And what he listened to himself, like what uh, he loved, the with recordings of the Glenn Miller band, he loved Ella Fitzgerald, Satchmo. Yeah. We listened to Bing Crosby. Equally, you know, Joan Baez... When Dylan came along, Mammy loved and sang just like, un, not unlike Jeanette MacDonald, right. Nelson Eddy every time yeah. that came on. Um, Nina Simone, John McCormick, Billy Holiday. Uh, That's very healthy, you isn't know, it? And then Michal and I studying piano, uh, a few Beethoven or Bach records came in. Um, I remember I had a harpsichord record by Couperin. So there was there was a mad mix. This yeah. was before kind of our teenage years and yeah. then started getting into Pentangle, Steelhouse Band, The Beatles, Clapton, Crosby Stills, Joni Mitchell. Yeah. But there'd be the odd different one coming in then, like the McDonald sisters, you know, singing in Scots Gaelic. Or a series, the music from the Western Isles yeah. of Scotland, uh, and next thing it might be, 
you know, the Allman Brothers, Fleetwood Mac or... Um, <laughs> it's quite a mix. But we yeah. need to... St- I mean, in terms of talking about your professional career as a musician, that did start early because, I mean, Scarra Bray was very early on and were you still at school? We were still at school. Um, you know, the Gaelin, the, the, the records, the LP came out about a year afterwards and by that time... Myra went into nursing. I followed suit to Michal and Dahi who were in UCD. They were doing Celtic studies and I went to UCD. And in those college years, started, you know, there were clubs around Dublin like um, uh, Slatteries of Capel Street, the tradition club. And, you know, we started doing little solo gigs and this was all just leading up to mm. before... The Bathy Band. And what was what was the impulse but, behind Scarra Bray in particular, the first band? What was what was it that you know, why did just, you get together to, to do that, do you think? And what, what sort of what other music would have influenced that? Um like uh, Michal and um every summer in Ranafast uh, we stayed in different houses um uh and there would be you know, um Michal became friends with people from um, Dahi Sprawl, uh, Jim McCluskey. There were a whole bunch of friends that we made around that Mm. time. And um, we just sang for the pure love of it around the back of the college. And and it was everything from those songs that were in a little songbook that people were taught from uh, Aberoran and... You know, Viahanin yev behord that lorching eilighna and a kioli yenuang eilighna tamar fad. But we'd be having a go at some Beatles songs or Pentangle. And Michal and Dahi were very influenced by uh, listening a lot guitar-wise to the likes of um, Bert Jansch yeah, and... Richard Thompson and those and, guys, yeah. Um, who's the other guitarist in Pentangle? Oh. Great... John Renberg. John Renberg, John of course. Renberg, so yeah. John and, and Bert. And, yeah. you know, out of that, um, somehow we, we got an offer uh, from, um, well, Scarabray, the whole thing came about initially. My mother and I saw an ad in the paper for the Kilkenny Beer Festival contest. And we were still at school at the at this point And... So we should enter for it and it was a matter then of coming up with a name and because Michal and Dahi were studying archaeology one of their subjects Scarabray just had that Scottish connection or whatever and uh, we there were all these heats and Daddy drove us all around the country and we finally got to the the, the, the finals and we came third and um, Shea Healy had a programme on radio called All Kinds of Folk Mm-hmm. And he actually play. He recorded the for a program that the, the finals, and he actually um, offered us a chance to do a couple of radio programs with them. Oh, right. He said, "This this a band, young band that came third, but I think they should have come first or something <laughs> <laughs> like that." Okay. And uh, that kind of Gaelin then offering us to do a recording, which we did in, on a Sunday afternoon. In Dublin. And at at that point, given how young you all were, did you do that kind of for the fun of it or was it a a kind of a career move? Uh, There was no such thing as a career (laughs) back then. (laughs) Um, 
We were just delighted at yeah. the, you know, the thought of it. And uh, it, it was a thrill, like, because by the time they came to take pictures of us for the cover, Myra and I were actually in, taken out of school, out of class, and crossed the road to the graveyard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for for the photos yeah. which we thought looked a bit like you know the Beatles you know that sure. that, that that album where they're all yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your next choice is uh, oh Tony McMahon and and of course that's you know people other people don't think realize he was kind of in the original Bothy band really wasn't he and it, well not wasn't the Bothy band but there was a it was bunch of people Schachter. yeah they formed to play with him is that right and Tony was a great influence. Uh, at that time, particularly, well, in my life, in all of our lives, musically, um, you know, uh, he, he he introduced me to such, you know, to great music and kind of, um, in a great way, showed me what could be done with accompaniment and mm-hmm. he put me together with one of the first people he had a series of programs on on RT uh, called Casa Kjol. and he put me together with uh, the likes of uh, James Kelly mm-hmm. and I had never backed up a tune you know I knew a little little bit I kind of played a lot f- by ear um, but um, uh, yeah he was very instrumental in, in you know and this this is uh, a concertina reel, and it's from an album with Noel Hill. Music there from Tony McMahon and Noel Hill. The choice of Trinity Gonal, who's with me in studio tonight. Some reels there. We we were arguing over the names of them, and and Trina doesn't know the names any more than anybody. <laughs> I used to think bands were putting that on, you know, when they'd say before a set of tunes. This one's called. We don't know what it's called, and this one might be called. And yeah. nobody ever seems to know. And, and people would argue, uh, you know, over like there might be two players, and said, "No, I don't think it's called that at all. I think it's called such and such," you know. <laughs> Um, to me, it's just the sequence of chords or, you know, once once you get started, you kind of say, oh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Well, you were talking there now about what you've just said and also about accompaniment there a moment ago and learning, learning accompaniment. And you just said there, it's all just a series of chords. And and of course, long before I knew you, I heard you playing on these records and I thought, wow, listen, what, listen to what's going on here. This is new. This is different and everything. So where do you think, Trina, you're your sense of playing chords and accompaniment, where did that come from? I mean, did you do, like, for the sake of argument, proper piano lessons and all that kind of I stuff? Did. You did. So, in, you, so in, you knew your onions in that sense. Um, poor sister Dominic, God love her, um, she had to put up with me. Um, I would bluff my way through sight reading a piece because Michal was about a year and a half ahead of me in terms in a piano and he was a great piano player he mm. won prizes and whatnot. Um if he had continued on you know um, very accomplished piano player before mm. he picked up the guitar but so I would pick up by ear uh, and be bluffing my way through you know Beethoven's first sonata having watched and listened to him playing it mm. and um, so I had with the result that I had all the wrong fingering Right. That was, you know, I'd never have made a classical player. But for some reason, I love bass and I always listen to bass lines and I kind of harmonise um, 
naturally without, I don't say naturally, but um, it comes to me naturally yeah. if I hear a line in my head or if I sing it, I can put a line underneath it. So I never had to really think about it. It's mm. just a, an, a, a, a kind of an instant response to what I hear, uh, how I hear um, that I might be able to to um, enhance the tune mm. by playing little little patterns. And pa- what it's about, a series of patterns, yeah. And what about then when, for instance, on Bothy Band tracks, like the one I just played at the top of the programme, you're <laughs> playing these patterns, but then there comes a point where the whole thing kicks off and it's you. It's you hitting those bass notes. Yeah. Well, well, and, and nobody would heard, I mean, I don't know, I'd never heard that before. And it was, it had, it had some of the... Uh, some of the drama that you would get or dynamics you would get in a rock band? Well, I suppose we we always would, would love to have um, had the tunes, you know, when in the Bathy Band, I, I'm thinking back to when we kind of bringing it to a, an audience that was more our own age, mm. uh, that traditional music could be rocked out, like what we just mm. heard there from, like there's, there's an accordion and a, and a concertina playing to mm. me that's like sure. it's as good as rock and roll yeah and for the dancers and that you know that charge is there mm-hmm. um i always would try to play something each round a bit differently mm-hmm. and to keep building it yeah and you know sometimes i used to hit that low end on the clav and almost blow up speakers and yeah. festival pas you know <laughs> but i love that yeah. uh, i once got to to, to meet uh, an amazing bass player and hear him, Jacob Pastorius. Did you meet him? Yeah, in, wow. a, in a club in Chapel Hill where I was living at the time. And he started, actually, he played the first note, which was a low A, I think. And he was about a half a block away, <laughs> uh, smoking, you know, yeah. a, a very cool cigar. And he just hit the A and it just reverberated and he slowly made his way on stage wow. <laughs> from, there was a kind of a, a garden area behind yeah. the, the club. It was a small club called the Cat's Cradle and uh, the band were already playing, you know, and the, and the, whole, the, the building actually almost shook. He was an astonished musician. He was a great, Jack great Pistorius, Yeah, yeah. I, um, well, did the Bothy Band just, ever, did the Bothy Band ever sit down and have a meeting about that? You know, this is this is not we, we at need. All. No, but you know about about the aesthetic or the sound. You know, we're gonna if we do this, this is gonna. You know, was there ever any plan in that? No. So, you, <laughs> but I'd say the first time you did that, even the rest of the band must have looked over and went, "Whoa, we're onto something here." Well, um, no, I I loved it on the the, the last uh, the recording after hours mm. in, Paris in Paris because actually to enhance the low end of the clav which I was always happy to love to do we had so many speakers going through the the hall and I actually had it was PJ Curtis's two track the speakers of it Mm -hmm. were under the clav and it just gave it that extra low end so I could hold back on the you know first round second round of the tune and then when you hit the low end you could Bang. nearly feel it yeah. on the stage you know? and also you know that album cover when I saw that I thought you, you guys were the coolest band in the world <laughs> on that street corner in Paris that was something uh, that was something anyway um, 
Where did the instrument itself, though, come from? When did you move from, when did you start playing the clav, for instance? Um, when did you think it would be an idea to put it into this context? Uh, a week before we went to record for Scarabray, like at that point when, when we did the Kilkenny uh, Beer Festival and, and the few programmes with Shea Healy, uh, I had nothing to play. Mm. There were no such things as synths or, you know, very few keyboards. There were organs or farfises or, you know, um, mm. or upright pianos and but nothing really to play at the time. But we did. We took took a trip to Dublin and there was a little shop round the corner from the, the Gresham mm-hmm. Hotel and it was called Nordell Music. And we walked in there and there was this gentleman sitting behind the counter, you know, and... It was our father, Myrith, Michal and Dahi and myself. And we were looking around at a few pianos and, and again like that there were just some organs. And the idea was to get something portable, hopefully, for me mm. to play. And I wandered around the shop, saw nothing and that was even in our price range, never mind, that wasn't portable. But down at the back I saw this. I walked down to the back of the shop and on the floor I saw this on its side with the reverse keys, like mm. piano keys, the, the the black keys were the white keys. And I saw a little switch and I deftly, you know, I turned it on and I played a note or two quietly and your man was, Mr. Nardell was looking down and I played a little bit of a da-da-da-da-da-dee-da, bit of Bach. I said, wow, what is that sound? Mm. And in that moment, I kind of realised that I had heard this instrument before, but I didn't know what it was. And it was just there, you know, and he came, Mr. Nordell came down and spoke to me and said, uh, you played that very nicely. I said, what is it? He said, I don't know. <laughs> it had been a session instrument in Eamon Andrews Studios. Oh. And it, they kind of threw it out and it was sitting down the back. And I... Maybe it was all this was meant to be. Yeah. I just said, is there any chance, you know, I, you could, could, is it for sale? He said, well, I don't know now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on on the promise of the three programmes that we had with uh, uh, Shea Healy, All Kinds of Folk, uh, my father wrote out, uh, he said, how much do you think it would be worth? And I said, oh, it's probably thousand pounds, probably a hundred pounds or something or which seemed like a lot. I, I was chancing my arm and I told him about the programmes. Daddy wrote a cheque for thirty three pounds, which is a down payment on mm-hmm. it, and we walked out of the shop with that. How fortunate was exactly, I? Because yeah. it was made by the inventor of it, a man called Ernest Zimmerman from uh, for Honor. Right. And he made them only about 20 of them by hand. It was, it was the earliest, the L model for the living room. <laughs> I hope you still have it, do you? I still have it, but wow. unfortunately it's... God. I need to find the right person to revive it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just the stroke of fortune in that, you mm. know, this, this mm. was lying down the back of a shop and you could have missed it. Yeah. So easily, yeah. you know. Amazing. Now your next, uh, your next musical choice is, is actually from the, the classical repertoire. Although a bit later on, some Mahler. Um, I I, cre- I keep trying to turn people on to Mahler, you know, saying, well, you know, you mightn't you might think you like classical music, but you'll like Mahler. Mm. There's something kind of, uh, 
he, he covers a lot of ground Absolutely. in territories, you know. Yeah. So what have you chosen? Uh, Kathleen, if you have it. Yeah. Kathleen Ferrier, yeah. another another wonderful singer. There's something so, what a voice. Yeah. Just very haunting. And uh, this is beautiful from uh, Kinder Totenlieder. Mm. Okay, here we go. Music there from Mahler, Kathleen Ferrier there with the Vienna Philharmonic, Bruno Walter conducting, or Walter, you can call him Walter if you want. Three and a great choice there. Do you listen to a lot of classical music, do you? I do, I, I um, and I might, I mightn't, um, just something might catch, catch my ear. Um, I love uh, certain things that just kind of seep into you yeah. and, you, you know, uh, I might wait and see. Oh God, I wonder who that was, or or whatever. You yeah, know. it's um, funny. I think when you when you're if if it's brought up it's in school, you know, music class and so on. I think you pick up this notion that with classical music you're supposed to like all of it. You know, yeah. it's all good for you. And the reality is, some of it you're going to love, and some of it you're not going to yeah. like. And that's I okay. mean, for some reason, I I instantly I loved and and played a few Beethoven pieces t- through the years of you know the different grades and. Um, you know, I had a little bit of, uh, I think it was Romeo and Juliet, Tchaikovsky to listen to for Intercert and Leave Insert. And, and uh, uh, but after that, kind of the same era that I got into, I would marry Debussy because he was a rebel, you yeah, know, yeah. musically. And I loved that fact because I found it really hard to study, um, you know, counterpoint and harmony, the written end of things. It was all straight. Yeah. Um, listening or through my ear and you know there were rules in harmony that you couldn't do two octaves in a row or two fifths and this didn't make sense to me at all yeah. but I think he broke those rules yeah. and I loved him for that and like at the same time imagine what it was like in you know Paris was alongside of you know Debussy and this I was reading things Maupassant and uh, it must have been incredible to hear someone like that at the time I mean it still sounds weird still sounds extraordinary shocking transgressive you know yeah absolutely but at the time it must have been incredible you know back then yeah do you think do you think you brought much of a of classical music into the traditional situation trainer because you know Bach and so on is not a million miles away from some of some of what fits with Irish music you know um i think so in the very simplest way maybe um just uh, adding um uh, harmonies and and for some reason you know i i still to this day i just like the the, the major or minor keys with not too many uh bluesy or out there chords but just mm. a, a simple harmonic bass um, uh, and counterpoint and you know um, as something that uh, uh, my brother Michal had very much uh, had had a good bit under his oh, sure. fingers you yeah. know um, uh, for me it was more like uh, patterns or just whatever I felt I would I would uh, Add to accompaniment of either songs or, and and I'm sure the Beatles were an influence there. Yeah. Um, as I would love and look forward to every album as it would come out and just hear that the harmonic, 
Um, is the Beatles on your list? It's got to be on the list somewhere. Uh, definitely, yeah. Across the Universe as a track again there's lovely orchestration and there's something terrible lonesome about that but any number of you know from any album from the word go well, let's, let's, play across, let's play Across the Universe now while we're at it Across the Universe the Beatles, the choice of Trina and the Gonal is with me tonight on Mystery Train picking all the music well I knew the Beatles would be in there now one of the things, I guess, when you're, you you talked earlier on, as a lot of people do when they're guests on this programme, they have an older brother or an older sister who's got music and is introducing them to records all the time. And then you join this other family of, of, of a band. And then you have all these, presumably these people are bringing stuff into the mix as well. And to this day, I know young bands and they say, they say oh, I heard this because Jimmy was playing it in the van. It still goes on, this mm-hmm. sharing of music uh, in a band after the show, I guess, on long journeys and so on. And just while that was on, you were talking about Kevin Burke who was a big fan of the band, the yeah. band, the band. And one night he introduced me, he just put the headphones, was sit, sitting looking through his record collection in uh, himself and Michal shared a house in, in Wicklow and um, put the headphones on onto me and I was looking at, at the same night, uh, switching tracks here, cheering music, Stevie Wonder, you know, talking book and like I was amazed he said well, yeah and he's playing the clavinet <laughs> which blew my mind as well yeah, you know and yeah. uh, but he played the band and from that moment on I was I was hooked and um, <clears throat> excuse what did me you, what did you like about the band uh, because they are they, they're not unique in America but to get to that level of fame and be so well known for playing largely old old-time tunes, you know. A lot of it was playing old-time tunes. Yeah, but uh, I think the great thing was that individually they were all so different and but but they had that... They listened across. Yeah. Uh, they had that... They, they just worked together. And you're you right, know? they were very different. I mean, very, they... very different. And, like, you know, in a way, that was what, what brought me to America. Um guy I was going with that at the time we just we went to the last waltz here in Dublin the movie yeah and uh, you know just couldn't believe it and we just said like let's go <laughs> let's go and see how many of these guys that we can we can see or you know an yeah. adventure yeah and um to to our delight when we when we ended up you know stone broke and broken down in Nashville um through a friend, an, the, an Irish rock and roll guitar player, Philip Donnelly. It could only be. Could, yeah. yeah. He uh, he was a friend of Victor's and uh, he brought us to this club that was opening um, that night, a rock and roll hotel. And earlier that day we in Vanderbilt University, for free, we heard and saw an astonishing performance, Muddy Waters. <laughs> I was I was standing about you know five six feet away from him. Wow. Rick Danko band, and yeah. this was all free, and it was just on the crest of a hill, you know. And you you brought your blanket and your six pack, and you you got all this great music. So you're watching the last waltz in Dublin. You head to America to see who's around, and you see Muddy Waters. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. And uh, they they all were heading back to that hotel that night, and Philip knew this, you know, and. He had a he had um, um, 
uh, he, he introduced me to uh, Paul Butterfield yeah. band was there who as well. Who played he, on the film he, as well. Yeah, yeah, and he introduced me to him and said who I was and all this. And Paul Butterfield immediately started going, oh my God, you mean you're with that bunch of Irish hippies and this, that was the old Haggy of Killed Me album yeah. cover. Yeah. He said, myself and Garth listened to it all the time, you know. And this blew my mind bet, because yeah. he was another absolute, I, he was one of my heroes, mm. Garth Hudson. Who was, he, who was from a classical background. Yeah. yeah. So much so his parents were not happy about him joining the band at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought he was amazing and, you know, on the, the, all the stuff he did and, and on that film, The Last Waltz, P, um, Paul Butterfield insisted on phoning him immediately and putting me on the phone. <laughs> and he was in another state and it was yes. about five o'clock in the morning and I was dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say <laughs> to him. What? All he said to me was, he said, get somebody, get Paul to go to bed. <laughs> wow. And, it, it, uh, it's funny, you know, the thing about music, though, it it really shrinks the universe quite quickly, doesn't it? Once you're involved in it, it in any it way, it does. It yeah. does. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. you probably. I didn't know how to say to him how much of a fan I was, and that the whole reason we were there was, uh, in part, because we love their music, and you know, <laughs> we saw you in the cinema a fortnight ago, yeah. <laughs> and now we're here. That's amazing, amazing. Well, let's let's, let's hear from the band then. It makes no difference. That's the band, the choice of Trinity Gonal, who's with me in studio tonight, picking all the music. We'll be right back after this. And this is Mystery Train on RTE Lyric FM, the Sunday night special, the night where we get somebody in to pick the music tonight. It's Trinity Gonal, a wonderful musician who has performed with some of her finest bands from Scarabray and the Bothy Band and Relativity and all the rest of it. Trina, great, it's great stuff so far. Thanks Thank for you. picking these tunes. Um, We'll just move on. We'll move straight into another another tune. We just had the band there before the break, where it yeah. makes no difference. You've got Joe Cocker down here. Uh, yeah. Joe Cocker. Uh, well, this particular um, track uh, has been a f- favourite of mine. I haven't heard it in years. There was something about his vocal on this. You know, I mean, he's, he's screaming on a lot of yeah. stuff and I get by with a little help from my fans. I mean, what a great, great singer, great guy. Sadly missed, but um, I, I saw a, a documentary there uh, recently where one, one of the last gigs before before he, he died, I think it was somewhere in Germany, yeah. and he was still giving it his all, you yeah. know, to the very end. But there's just something very beautiful about the, the, the arrangement behind this and his treatment of this great song. That's Joe Cocker there in a version of uh, the Jimmy Webb song, The Moon's a Harsh Mistress. That was gorgeous stuff. Yeah. Thank beautiful. you very much, Trina. Now, um, where do you want to go from here? Because there's, there's, a, there's a fine selection still to come. <laughs> Rachmaninoff's Vespers is yeah, on the list. Um, now, tell me about the circumstances in which you might find yourself listening to that, because it's not every, not every hour of the day is appropriate for hearing music like that, you know? Or no, you, it's not but, for while you're um, cooking, it's not for when you're doing the hoovering. It's, it's a not, great you know, one for the bath. For the bath? Yeah. I mean, well, there you go. That's what I needed to know. It's, it's good to have the circumstances, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Because it's some, sometimes there's certain types Light of music. Light a candles with yeah. the bath and put it on the old cassette machine and away you go. It's funny, I, don't, I doubt that's what Rachmaninoff had in mind. <laughs> yeah. but, but who knows? Um, so, Rachmaninoff's Vespers. 
And this, of course, would be uh, religious music, spiritual music. Yeah, but there's just something about the, you know, this particular the version that I have. Um, I've had it on cassette for years, and um, I begged a friend to find who who the choir was. It's it's a, a Russian Orthodox choir, and it just there are some solo singers there, and just the the low bass notes and. It goes all quiet for a while and then suddenly this is, it's like a wave of pure music and it just, it's for the soul. Music there from Rachmaninoff from the Vespers, the choice of Trina Ligonel, who's with me in studio. It is beautiful. Absolutely. Meant for the church, better in the bath. Uh, as good anyway, yeah, it's amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff. Now I notice, I notice that you've got, uh, you've got Joni Mitchell on the list. Yeah, and again, hard to pick pick the track. This is a strange thing, and this is no criticism of your choices, but the amount of people who pick Joni Mitchell, she's been so influential. It's extraordinary. Yeah. People from all genres come in here on a Sunday night. And it's almost like I'm watching to see did they pick Joni Mitchell. And nearly always yeah. they do. More so than pick Dylan or the Beatles or other people who you might think would be equally obvious. But it's always Joni Mitchell. Yeah, just so original, so different. And um, LPs in those days, there, were, there was a feast of not just the music, but you could be looking at, you know, her as a painter and, uh, you know, Beatles album covers. You spent hours just reading the stuff for the... Looking at every corner, every inch of every LP you had on the floor or in your hand and listening to and playing over and over again till it skipped. The, the one you've chosen tonight is, is from Court and Spark. Yeah. And a song called Same Situation. Why'd you pick this one? Because as you say, you know, Joni's songs, there's a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them and a lot of great memories and associations and where you were. But there's something, again, the orchestration or just... It's different. You don't know where it's gone. And that's the choice of Trina the Gonal, their music from Joni Mitchell. Same situation from the album Court and Spark. I've noticed several times now, Trina, when you pick a piece of music, you'll say, that's a lovely arrangement, that's a lovely outro. You pay particular attention to that, don't you? That's kind of a... I do, I love it. I mean, uh, someday maybe, with my the few little bits and pieces that I've uh, come up with myself, I'd, there are some sections that I'd, I'd love to hear orchestrated. <laughs> there's, there's such, it's such a thrill... Um, to play or to hear an orchestra behind, you know, and on my one or two occasions, like I did, uh, uh, I sat in with uh, Cherish the Ladies in the States a couple of times with arrangements of Irish songs and tunes. And uh, it was lovely to hear all those, you know, bowed basses to your, in your right ear. Bowed um, basses? Yeah. Well, look, listen, why, why don't, can I pick one of your tracks from? The keys within. Now that we're talking about it, sure, you these, certainly these, could. These, 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 these could be. Uh, these could all be. You could big full orchestra behind this. Now it work. I would have loved if I could have afforded that when I. Um, we'll arrange that. We know the orchestra in here. We'll sort that out. <laughs> all right. Uh, when 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 I started to record, um, 
these little pieces on on Michal's instigation uh, he would say to me you know whenever I'd be in a different hall um, and sitting at a different gorgeous piano a Steinway or a Yamaha and uh, just at a sound check uh, the piano would be so lovely that I'd just play something off the top of the head Mm. and he'd say to me what's that you know I said I don't know it's just something he said what get busy and start putting these things down and uh, that was what led to um, my getting cracking with uh, this album which I began after we lost our our eldest brother great buddy and uh, the inspiration for this album initially was Eamon and I went to my friends in Vermont and uh, uh said if I if I can get one piece anyway I'd be happy and after a few weeks I got about 30 little bits and pieces and oh. it kept coming back year after year that I couldn't listen to them for a long time really? I'm, yeah. a, I'm a slow burner yeah. you know but um, eventually um, little did I know that we'd lose Michal three years later yeah. but I saw so it it took a few years to you know, in 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 almost to them, yeah. I completed it about six years later. What do you want me to play off this? And the Snowy Crossroads is one I like, but there's whatever you want. You, you tell you what, you pick the track. Um, whatever you'd prefer. Well, to play. maybe um, there's a, the first track is the, the Sun, the sun the on the Water. Yeah, is well, a kind of a moody one. All right. Well, let's play the Sun on the Water then. Hang on. This comes from an album called The Keys Within. Trina Nigonal is picking all the music tonight, although I picked that one because it's Trina herself from her album The Keys Within, uh, The Sun on the Water, which is the opening track on the album. You're saying there, Trina, they're all off the top of the head. Mostly. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and just I would keep playing little, um, as as Michal kind of worked in the same way, you keep playing these little patterns over and over until something sticks, including mistakes, what might be... <laughs> Considered mistakes. Uh, A piece that I wrote for Night Noise called A Jig of Sorts springs to mind um, where there was one bit and it's very hard to count out in time and I was trying to get away from it. It wasn't strictly in jig time. And this extra phrase or something, it just stuck. Um, But uh, these were little pieces that uh, kind of I'd play... Uh, inspired by being able to play on a gorgeous piano at sound checks, and Mia yeah. um, encouraged me to start recording them. And where do you but think? But I wasn't sure that they were pieces. Well, when music is 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 point. improvised like that or off the top of the head, do you do you think about it at all where that comes from or how that happens? Is it a purely mechanical musical process, or is there something else going on there when that happens? Um, just. I think it just comes from inside of me or just something that I uh, think I like or I like the sound of this, you know. Mm. And uh, when I'm at home, a lot of the time, I just use the iPhone voice memo and, um, you know, it's going to be... I mightn't listen back to, but I'll, I'll, I'll hit record and I'll just play whatever... Uh, mm comes out from under my fingers yeah and I listen 
maybe listen back to it. And I wish I uh, was more versed in the technology and, you know, had had a, a very smart kid on standby beside me that I could put something on a loop or then immediately go without having to press the buttons, <laughs> go and put it, yeah. put another uh, colour on top of it straight away. But there'll always be one little bit and I go, no, no, that, that wasn't exactly mm. what I had in mind, you know. Um, but with the little um, voice memos, you know, I might listen back six months later and say, oh, that was a nice little bit there. And it might stay in my, there's always background something going on in my head. Yeah. Uh, I won't tell you what's on now. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. OK. There's nobody listening anyway. You're all right. But it'll, it'll, um, it'll surface okay. either fully baked or to be continued. OK. The album, by the way, The Keys Within, is uh, it's a beautiful record. I have this at home and it's it's available from your website. Yeah. It's a limited edition That's right. type thing. And uh, I'm just looking at it here now. The, the, the cover on the, the cover photography is also by you. Beautiful yeah. picture. It's, it's, where was yeah. that taken? Is that Donegal? That's, that's Ranafast. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a reflection uh, of the clouds on the water. And there were three little ducks making their way very... In, in close formation and for some reason I at the, that moment thought of my mother and Michal and Eamon so I quickly snapped a few shots It's a beautiful and, uh, picture Beautiful picture Thanks I tell you these, these, pe- these people we all have the same story these people are never far from us are they? No they're not Not at all not. Seem particularly present with you actually because I've just realised and you mentioned Michal a lot you know why wouldn't mm. you of course but uh, not only your brother, but, but you know, being in the band as well. You yeah, know, yeah, like he was part he of the was gang. A great friend, my best buddy. Um, we didn't have to. We communicated on that that other level. You know, on, on stage, I can remember yeah. so many times, and he'd be a good distance away from me. Like a grand piano is, <laughs> it can be nine <laughs> foot or eleven foot, and he's way on the other side of the stage, but. With her eyes, would communicate and know, and there might be one tiny little slip or mm. something, and yet he'd, you know, we'd have this conversation. I think we should play something by Michal, actually, shouldn't we? Really? Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you, you, know, you, you choose? You can play whatever um, you want. Again, this morning I spent, uh, I had a hard time choosing which one of his original compositions because he wrote some incredible music. In the, in the years, uh, I played with them in Night Noise original music and um, all the parts. And I chose one from uh, I think it originally was on the second album, Something of Time. It's called, but it's the one in your hand there, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, track eleven, um, Hourglass. And again, he's written every note. And that's uh, Michal O'Donnell there and Paddy Glacken from an album called Reprise and Bridge One. And before that, from an album called Night Noise. Uh, from Night Noise, uh, we had uh, the track Hourglass. The album was on uh, Wyndham Hill, wasn't it? Wyndham Hill was the label. Trina Nigonal yeah. is with me Labeled, in the studio. Yeah. Wyndham Hill. Uh, gorgeous music, Trina. Uh, Trina Nigonal is with me tonight in the studio picking all the music. Uh, we, we better plow on. I'm looking at the clock. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there's a name here, Darroch O'Cahan. 
Now, when it comes to traditional singing, I I am convinced he is the master. He's he's the business. Unbelievable. He's the man. Yeah. Unbelievable. And this particular song, which I hope you can find, Liam O'Reilly. Yeah, I got it here. Yeah. Oh. Mistakes and all, Bob doesn't care. Ah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's very real, isn't it? It is, it is. But yeah. it's, it's the strange thing about that, that's from an album from 1985, which Dylan fans would look back on and think, not, not his finest period. And that's yeah. that's not indicative at all of the record. That's the last track. That's the last Up until track. That, that, fairly, that became my favourite yeah. track. Of I all. mean, and it is. It sounds like the one that he just he hung around at the end of the session and just knocked out that song. Yeah, he maybe wrote it ten minutes before. Yeah. you know, and he's he's reading the he's reading the the words himself. Yeah, because the rest of it's kind of it's nineteen eighty sound off it yeah. on the rest yeah. of the record. Yeah, so there you go, Bob Dylan from Empire Burlesque, a song called Dark Eyes, and before that, Liam O'Reilly sung by Derek O'Cahan. This next track we're going to play uh, that you've chosen, um, it comes from an album called Trio, Dolly Parton, Emmylou Harris and Linda Ronstadt. Um, uh-huh. I suspect these are all people through the years now because you spent a lot of time in America and I know, for instance, Alton have a connection with Dolly and, you know, Emmylou has a connection with quite a few people here. Uh, mm-hmm. So you would have met all these people, I'd imagine. Yeah, in the in the early eighties, uh, when I was uh, hanging around Chapel Hill, in North Carolina, uh, there was there was a, a friend there from another record company, a guy called Barry Poss with Sugar Hill Records, and he kept saying to me, because um, he had heard me singing a couple of my own songs with Touchstone, and uh, there was a song, a particular song called uh, "Song and F," and another one called uh, "White Snow," that. Um, he said, I, I can hear Amy Lou singing one of those songs, you know. And I, I discarded the notion. Mm. Uh, but a friend of his um, turned out to be um, recording or, or producing the first album, the trio. And they were at the listening stage where, you know, they're listening to 20,000. Yeah. Cassettes this, this be in Nashville, it yeah. would be twenty thousand. Yeah, uh, yeah. From from all over yeah. the world, singers, songwriters, and Barry personally flew up to meet John Starling. I think was his name. He had he had a club in in um, in Virginia, uh, or no, Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, with my songs under his oxter and. He brought it in, and at that point, um, Li- Linda recognised my name, or she had heard stuff that I'd done. Heard the Bothy Band, and was was a fan. Was introduced to us. By the way, through. is it true Bob Dylan turned up looking for Bothy Band records? And uh, <laughs> I think place? so at some at some stage. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, uh, we heard that in in passing. I'm sure it's but, true. Um, anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. There. Not at all. Um, so, so Linda, Linda was uh, so aware. Linda said, "Let's yeah. let's have a listen to this." And they picked those two songs, or they'd have a go at one or the other of them. And uh, to my surprise and delight, they flew me out to LA um, to record. Um, it's it's called uh, later called it in a deep sleep, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to play uh, uh, to back 
uh, to back it, uh, they got me a real clavichord for the studio, um, which was a George Massenburg studio. And uh, I got to play with David Lindley and Albert Lee. Wow. And uh, unfortunately, though, it didn't make make the cut, as they say. It didn't go on. Um, make it to the first recording. Which is which is no small matter when an album like that sells many millions. True, but yeah. I, you know <laughs> I wondered was it was it something in my playing that that went awry? No, uh, no, no. But to my delight about uh, a year ago I got a call from her her manager or the person who because of Linda's tragic um uh, ill health and Parkinson's um, they're not able to mm, do any more recordings the, the three ladies yeah, yeah. and uh, so they decided to, to package it into a, a, a special collection the trio the collection um, uh, and using the uh, all of the unreleased oh, material great. so 30 years and later it appears 30 odd years later um, wow. my song made it on there and I I was um, I hadn't even heard it myself right. so I was I was delighted and yeah. now are, are, is this just Linda or is Dolly and, and Emmy Lou uh, on this Emmy as well? Emmy Lou is singing harmony Lou's with her. Dolly isn't on this particular track but they're, they're outtakes and previously unreleased Great tracks. stuff, here we go. In a Deep Sleep a song composed by Trina McDonald. She's also playing on it there, along with uh, Emily Harris and Linda Ronstadt from the album Trio, which also features, uh, that's the complete trio collection, which also features Dolly Parton, Emmy Lou, and Linda Ronstadt. Um, Trina, have you any gigs coming up that you should be talking about? Because I didn't realise this, you're only just back in Japan. So it doesn't stop. <laughs> this keeps on well, going. Uh, not not as um, not as busy as... I used to be in the in the last couple of years, but um, uh, I'm looking forward to to playing uh, up in Skaldjevri in Gidor at Christmas. Well, the the end of December, the 29th, 29th and the thirtieth. Um, playing with Noel Hill. Uh-uh. Noel and I got together just it, it kind of grew out of just a bit of a session that we had a year or two back up in. Iggy's and Kincasla and yeah. uh, we trashed out a few tunes, a few sets and a few songs and uh, we did a gig sometime early last year uh, on a very rainy night down in um, in Milltown Malby and uh, we just just kind of clicked and we had great fun and uh, he, he, he asked me uh, uh, would it be up for playing with him up at the um, what I'm used to be the Frankie Kennedy. And will uh, you play the clav or the piano or what will you play? I have my own keyboard. It's, yeah. a, it's a Yamaha. That can do anything you want. Mostly piano settings and the odd drone here and there, you know, but... I think you should take up the Hammond organ. That's what you should do. <laughs> that would be know. so good. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, yeah, if I could get somebody to, you know, twirl the... Turn the dials and, and and do all the t- technical end of it. That's, so that's the 20, 29th and thirtieth. 29th and thirtieth December and, uh, in uh, Gidor. Twenty ninth, I'm playing with Noel, and on the thirtieth, I'm doing a little solo slot before Alton. All oh, right. And um, uh, that's 
that's about it for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, thanks a million, Trina, for bringing in all the music. Not at all. Really, real pleasure talking to you as ever. And uh, I love, I love the tunes. Too. You threw me a real curveball with that Dylan track in particular. I'd say, yeah. I'd say even Dylan fans would be going, what would she get that one from? There it is, and um, we we we've talked a lot uh, inevitably tonight because of because of uh, your family and the musical uh, heritage of your family. We've talked quite a bit about family and your sister Myra, yeah. who was with you in Scarabray, and uh, I've often heard you sing together in various uh, situations. She features on this track that you're going to play as a, as the final track tonight. And we mentioned John Renburn, funny enough, at the very top of the program. It's amazing how influential all those English. Uh, folk groups were on the Irish scene when you think about it True. but this is a John Renburn um, set he arranged everything on this apparently he he, he wrote all the uh, parts uh, for the voice squad and Myrith was specially picked out for the you know the, the female voice yeah. and there's something lovely about it and um, I'd have a hard time if I were to go elsewhere looking for favourite tracks of mine of Myra's you know Trina thanks for coming in and I greatly appreciate it and we'll see you soon thanks a million Praise to the moon You've been listening to a podcast of Mystery Train with John Kelly Mystery Train hits the rails every Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on 96 to 99 RTE Lyric FM.